Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's happening, everybody? I am not Larry Roberts. I am Sarah Losey, and this is Branded. As some of you may know, Larry has been in and out of the hospital for about a week. And thank you to everybody who has reached out and showed concern for him. Uh, he is on the mend. We are figuring it out. And we, instead of putting out a new episode this week, we're actually going to throw back to one of our favorite episodes that we allude to a lot. And hopefully if y'all haven't heard it yet, you're going to enjoy it. And if you have heard it, hey, it's a little refresher on how to build your brand. So don't go anywhere. That episode is about to start right about now. I'm Sarah Losi, and this is Branded, your comprehensive guide to creative branding. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be taking a look at eight different components to building a brand. Yeah, I think we should touch on what all eight of these are, but I really want to dive deep into them. So keep coming back and we're going to have episodes that really dive deep into what these are, how you can use them, how you can create them. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, this is amazing because this is kind of a, a takeaway, not even kind of, it is a takeaway from uh, the branding summit that you recently put on yourself. So I think this is great to be able to take something that you speak on regularly and apply this to our audience. Yeah. So my branding summits are things that I sit down one-on-one -on -one with companies or individuals and just really dive into these different components and help them figure out where they stand and what they want their brand to be so that they can create their brand stories, they can create their services, and they can create their mission and vision and have everything be super cohesive. So I think it's a lot of fun. I'm also a nerd about all of this stuff. So <laughs> I hope I don't bore everybody with geeking out on this for a little bit, but I'm excited. Are you excited? I know I I know I'm not going to be bored. I'll put it that way. Branding is something that I love. And I, I know everybody listening to the podcast right now is very interested in or love branding as well. So I don't think anybody's going to be bored. So I have found my people. Um, it, most definitely. I think we've all found our people here on Branded. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, do us a favor. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button so we can help you develop your brand through each and every one of our episodes. So with that, Sarah, what's the first component? of building a brand. I mean, what is that very first step that we need to take when we're trying to lay that foundation? Yeah, the first component of a brand is the most basic. It is the brand definition. And that is exactly what it sounds like. What is your brand? What do you do? Who are you? And is despite that being so simple, it's one that people might not necessarily have put much thought into. Is that like have what is your definition? Can you define your brand? Yeah, basically asking what does my product or service do and how does it do it and who does it do it for? So many times when people are setting up their business or setting up their perceived brand, they fail to ask those simple questions. 
And uh, if I remember right, that's the first component of establishing your brand, right? Yeah, it's that brand definition. And I turn into like a second grade teacher when I talk about this stuff and I love fill in the blanks. <laughs> so if you're listening and you have paper and a pen, just write down what your definition is. It is, I am blank, that blank for blank. So I am a description of who you are. Are you a coach, a consultant, um, a, a marketing professional, whatever it is that you are, that blank. That does what? What do you do? How are you helping your clients? How are you helping other businesses or other individuals? And then for blank, who are you helping? Who is your target audience? Who do you want to work with? So your brand definition is just who you are, what you offer, and who you're offering it for. So if we go through that exercise and start answering the, those questions right out of the gate, that's going to give us that clarity to go through and continue to build on the seven remaining components of our brand as well. And I, I mean, when we talk about there's eight of them, just most of the time, if you even go that far, people take it to this first step. You know, they say, okay, I've got a company that does this and I do it for them and I do it this way. What would be the second step? I mean, where do we even take it from there? Because even in my little lizard brain, I'm going, okay, well, I've got a brand now. Yeah, that is, like I said, that is the most basic. And you've really dived deep from there. So the next one is the brand values. And that one is one that I personally think is the most important because your brand values is what your company um, or your brand represents. What are the things that you value this ties in later because once I go through these eight steps with uh, people, I then dive into mission and vision statements. So your values are going to lead into that mission statement. And I think it's so important for a brand to be mission driven because it's what is that old song? It's if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But if you don't, <laughs> is that does that, that not fit here? I don't know. That, that, must, that must be a country song because it don't resonate with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. But what are the things that you value? And when you sit down and really think about it, that's going to guide the future of your company. Well, I, I think a lot of times when we're talking about our brand, the value can be defined in a multitude of ways. You know, it can be the value of the brand. It could be our unique value proposition, or it can be the ethical values that are implied as being part of our brand. Do we need to take all of those into consideration right out the gate? And if so, because I mean, I've, I've heard of value statements. I've heard of mission statements. Is there a difference between the two? And then do we just need to convey that message in each of those individually? Or that's where it starts to get confusing. And I think a lot of people overlook defining those components of their brand. Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to stop overthinking and just look at these components, start looking at them kind of in a vacuum, look at them one at a time, and then go back and look at them all together. So with brand values, you just want to think about what are those ideals that you represent. And if you are like me, like a solopreneur, I personally am my brand. So my values are going to be the same as my company values. I'm going to basically just give my values to my company. And those are things like kindness. Like I, I value kindness and positivity. And I do 
um, show that in my brand. When I talk about working with clients, I talk about, I don't know what your face is for, but <laughs> when I talk about working with clients, I talk about working with people who want to spread a positive message. And that is something that I align with because that's where my values are. Do you, you seem to disagree? No, just the whole kindness thing. Cause I mean, our interactions sometimes aren't, aren't necessarily the kindest. I'm just, you know. um, you see, you are a, one of my best good pals, as you would say, and we've already established that I show, um, affection through gentle bullying. So <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. You should feel so honored to be insulted by me on a daily basis. So insult my intelligence just a little bit further and give us bullet point number three. I would never, but I will give you the bullet point. <laughs> the third component is your brand promise. And this one can get a little tricky because with all the regulations, especially in certain industries, you can't really promise anything. You can't guarantee anything, but you can guarantee something in regards to your brand. So what you're promising your prospects, your customers, your clients, whoever it is, is something that you guarantee that they're going to experience when they work with you. So I'm not going to ever guarantee results. I'm not going to ever guarantee that you'll get X number of downloads on a podcast, but I can guarantee that I'll treat you with respect, or I can guarantee that you'll have a positive experience when you work with me. So it gets a little bit away from the actual product that you're offering and more about the experience of what you're um, offering to people when they work with you, at least in my opinion, that's the way that I look at it. Yeah. And I think it goes back to your, the, the value proposition as well. You know, what were your values that you imparted in your brand and all of that comes into play when you're making these brand promises. It, like I said, you can't guarantee performance. You can guarantee a roadmap that if followed can lead to certain performance metrics, but we're not executing based on our brand. We're executing our values and our brand mission, but we can't actually execute the final product. So being able to make these promises doesn't necessarily have to equate to uh, X, but it does have to equate to your values, your authenticity, and your commitment to providing the best experience or the best brand or the best product or the best effort out there. Yeah. And then there's also, you can take it a step forward and maybe this is where you offer like a money back guarantee. So I promise that you will be satisfied or else I'll give you your money back. Um, so brand promises can have a few different levels to them. Um, but it's just overall, if you work with me, I promise this. Very cool. What is number four? This is brand identity. And this one's cool because we actually, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a guest on the show named uh, Danielle. And she is going to be, she's a graphic designer. So she's going to be talking all about brand identity. But this is exactly what it sounds like. This is the look of your brand. This is the logo, the colors, the fonts, the symbols, the images. When you have all these different visual elements of your brand and all these different places that you're putting it, like your website and social media, your marketing collateral, it's so important to have them be cohesive. 
And that's something that she's going to be talking about on the show soon. And I'm really excited for that. That's one of the biggest gaps that I see in so many different brands that are out there. And especially in the podcast space, because I, I do a lot of podcast audits where I look at people's shows and I look at all aspects of their show to try to figure out where things aren't going quite as well as we would like them to go. And that's the biggest gap that I see is that consistency is being able to recognize their promise or for their podcast, their unique listening, which is their value proposition for that show to have that transcend everywhere that the show exists. So with a brand, it's the exact same way. How is your brand represented? Not just in your logo, not just in your graphics, but how is it represented when you're on podcasts? How is it represented in your marketing? How is it presented when you're at networking events? How is it presented online? So all of these questions come into play and that consistency is absolutely critical to bringing it all together and making sure that it's one recognizable brand in and of itself. I want to call out a podcast that I actually think does this really well. Um, it is the Queens podcast and they, uh, they're local to Austin. So I've been able to meet them at several different events and they are all over social media. And the amount of times I see a post on social media and I want to send it to them because I'm like, Oh my God, this is so you guys. And then I realize it's the, that they posted it because <laughs> they, even though not everything that they post is even branded, it's just so on brand. The and messaging, the feel, the emotion, yes, everything. Yeah. They do such a great job of it. And I swear that happens like every other day that I'm like, oh, Katie would love this. Katie posted this. <laughs> it happens constantly. So just shout out to them for doing such a great job with keeping all of their social media so on brand. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. All right. Are you ready for the next one? I'm ready. This one will be your favorite, I think. Your as in Larry. Okay. You. Okay. Me? You're going to love right. this. I'm listening. Yes. You, you, you. I'm looking right at the <laughs> camera. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. You hit me with it. <laughs> Brand differentiation. This is what you always talk about. This is your UVP, your unique value proposition, your unique selling proposition. What is it that you offer that is different or better than everybody else? Yeah, and, and I do love that about 100%. You know, in the podcast space, I refer to it as your ULP or your unique listening proposition. You know, there's only so many industries that are out there and there are competitors in each and every one of them. But each of them, even within the same industry or niche or market, they all have their unique approach to attracting clients and customers. Walmart has their way of doing it. Target does it a little bit different. Uh, if you look in the fast food place, Mickey D's has got it one way. Chick-fil-A got it another. But it's all in the same market, in the same industry, in the same niche. So what can we do in learning from these massive brands that are super successful? What can we learn from them to help us position our brands in a way that really stands out in a, uh, I'm sure, a crowded marketplace? Yeah. And you said a uh, unique listening proposition, and that's something that every podcast needs to have. And every podcast needs to be able to express it um, in every episode, in their um, description and all of that. What's ours? 
Man, ours, it, it's interesting, and I hate that you even called it out, and I see a little smirk, and I, I don't necessarily appreciate it. But the thing that ours, we bring so much different to, a difference to the table because, you well, you've got a male and a female, right? You have an old dude. You have a young lady. So we've got generational gaps there. We have different perspectives from the, the gender side of things. So both of us have very, very unique experiences in our lives. You're college educated. I am not. Uh, I have a lot more life experience than you do. You're working on it, but your life experience is completely different. So our unique listening proposition is that while we're both talking about branding and we both established ourselves with very, very unique brands, we've done it from two totally different perspectives. So that's the unique listening proposition that you get with branded is you get perspectives from all different walks of life right here on the show. Couldn't have said it better myself. You're just trying to make me feel old again. So I, I would have focused a little bit more on the age difference. But other than that, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly it. That's kind of what makes us different is, is we each are very unique from each other. And we are able to give two different perspectives. And we, we bring in other people to give theirs. So that is something that is unique, I think. So um, that is our brand differentiation for sure. Moving on to the next um, component, it's going to be market position. And this is my least favorite because this is the one that gets really into like market research. And I'm not a market research person, uh, but brand your market position is consumer perception compared to your competition. So that is when it gets real deep into that research because you need to know not only what your consumers think about you, but what do they think about other people compared to you? Are, how do you compare in terms of price, in terms of quality? Are you the Walmart or are you the Target? Like which, um, are you elite or are you the budget friendly? So this is all uh, looked at based on different types of um, market research on who your consumers are, who your competition is, and even just talking about it, it makes my head hurt. <laughs> well, see, I'm a little more strategic in my approach, so I kind of dig that side of things. I like knowing what everybody else is doing so I can find weaknesses or little chinks in the armor so that I can get in there and I can maybe focus on doing that one thing that they don't do quite so well and I can do it better and I can help myself stand out in that regard. Uh, I, I think I look at business as kind of like a fight, you know, over my 50 plus years and one of my lifetimes, I used to like to kind of competitively kickbox and I like to know who I was fighting. I like to do a little research on what gym they came from, who their coaches were and their fighting style so that I knew what I could focus on in training and being prepared for that competition. And it's the same thing in business, or really it's the same thing in anything we do. The more information we have about our market placement or our market strategy, the better we are at being successful at what we're doing. So from that side of things, once again, there's our unique listing proposition in action right there. I love knowing what my competition is doing. I love sitting on their websites going, all right, what products and services are they offering? What price point are they at? Oh, they do that? Oh, I could do that better. Oh, I bet I could charge just a little bit more and increase my profit margins just a bit. 
on that particular good or service. So that's the kind of stuff that excites me. It's what I do in the evenings when I'm sitting here is I surf the internet and I look at my competitors and try to figure out exactly how I can place myself to be the most successful with my business and my brand. See, it's not that I don't like knowing, but if someone would just tell me instead of me having to do the research, that would be <laughs> ideal. Just like, by the way, this is what your competition is doing. This is how much they're charging. And here's how you can do it differently. Thank you. I will do that right now. That's why you hire a coach or a consultant. We'll talk after. <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> I won't pay it, but thank you. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so the next one is another one of my favorites because it is all about what or what I do is all about it. And it is brand message. So your brand message is what you need to say and how you're going to say it. And it's just all of those things that you want your audience to understand. So everything that you put out, whether it's the copy on your website, the posts you make on social media, any ads you have, any type of marketing content, it all should be in alignment with what it is you're trying to get your audience to understand or to know about you. I was reading my website so I could have a response. <laughs> I had to see what you wrote for my vision. So, Can we please keep this in? I want to, but I don't think it's probably smart. But okay, here we go. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I was just looking on my website to refresh my memory as to what my vision statement was that you wrote for me, as a matter of fact. And it's really moving forward in an era of business that's based on the authenticity of personal brands. And being able to clarify that and define that and, and answer that question, it, it makes all the difference in the world. I did a really great job on that. You did a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, I would hire you again, honestly. Thank you. <laughs> Where are we at? Number seven? I think we're at number eight. This is okay. the final one. This is the brand experience. This one is interesting because this one you don't have full control over. And you also don't have control over your market position at all times and everything. But this is one especially that you do not have control over because your brand experience is how consumers interact with you and with your services. So you can control how they interact with you. If you have employees, you can at least regulate standards for them to put in place to interact with customers. But there's more than that. And there's one example that I always give. If you're in a fender bender when you're driving home from work and the car that hits you is a U-Haul moving truck, that's going to put a bad taste in your mouth when you see U-Haul. Does that have anything to do with the U-Haul brand? No, but it's a bad experience that you had with U-Haul. It probably wasn't even driven by someone that works for U-Haul, but it's just our minds make those connections. So your brand experience can be really hard to control because your brand is not always places only that you are at. Like it does exist away from you. I'm honestly so glad you shared the U-Haul story because I was sitting here. I already had my counter 
on point, ready to go until you gave me that U-Haul example. Because, I mean, I'm a big fan of extreme ownership. I mean, it sits here, the book sits here right here on my desk all of the time because I personally believe that we're responsible for our brand 24-7. But that example of the U-Haul wreck was completely beyond the scope of anything that I had considered. So I love the fact that you shared that story. And really, you, you kind of put me in my place a little bit when it comes to extreme ownership. But uh, still along those lines, it's up to us to convey as much responsibility for our brand as possible. But man, I'm really, I'm, I'm blown away by the U-Haul story. And I'm gonna have to process that a little bit before I have a, a really, really good counter. <laughs> well, um, just send me an email whenever you're ready. But no, I think it's something that people don't always think about. And we have so many interactions with brands that they don't even know about. And that's why customer service reps are so undervalued because they have to deal with calls from angry customers that might not even have anything to do with the brand itself. And just the, um, the U-Haul one is a perfect example of that. And there's even... I already said that. We could stop stroking the ego a little bit there. <laughs> Never. But I always remember that one time, I don't know if you've been, you probably don't want me to share this story, but I'm going to. Oh, God. You were very angry in line at the drive-thru of a Whataburger. <laughs> and I have, every time I think of Whataburger now, I think of that situation. So, not that it's I'm not that it has had a huge effect on what I do, but that's still a like something I relate to that brand that has nothing to do with it. It was you being angry in a drive-through line. Dude wouldn't move. It's not my fault. I got my food before he did. All I wanted to do was go home and he would not move. But hey, I want to justify my stance at Whataburger because just yesterday, right around 12:30 Central Time here in Louisville, Texas, somebody drove through the wall of that exact same Whataburger. So I don't know if they got mad and drove through the wall, but at least I can come back and say I didn't go that far. But yeah, maybe it's that Whataburger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even now anytime like one of us gets angry, the other one says, like, don't go full Whataburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like the new, like, going postal. But these are things that people can start to relate to a brand that has nothing to do with the brand itself and is completely out of control of that brand, which is the full point I'm trying to make. And we got there eventually, but it was a little bit of a crooked road. <laughs> but you but did that, it using a story and that really, you know, that drove everything home. Like the U-Haul story, the Whataburger story. I mean, I think that's our motto for the podcast going forward. Never go full Whataburger. Never. <laughs> Well, that is all eight, and I'm really excited to dig into these. I wanna, I wanna hear from other people what uh, they have thought about for their own brands if they've looked at any of these. But in next episodes, we're going to dive in and talk about how we have built our own brands using these different components. So, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. If you got some value out of this episode, even just beyond not going full Whataburger, make sure you smash that subscribe button so we can continue to bring you these amazing episodes of Branded each and every week. Until then, we will see you on the next episode.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.